All right, all right, superhumans. We're delving into the world of movement today. And like always on the Decoding Superhuman podcast, we're going to go into this from a very scientific approach. My guest today is an expert in the field of high-intensity interval training. And if you've heard of HIT, or if you said another way, haven't heard of HIT, well, maybe you haven't read a newspaper in the past couple of years. But my guest today is Dr. Paul Larson, and he resides at the nexus between exercise performance research, theory, and application. He is an adjunct professor of exercise physiology at AUT University in New Zealand, where he leads research into low-carb diet and its performance applications. Dr. Larson has published over 130 peer-reviewed papers and is a co-founder of HIT Science, which serves both to teach the science and application of high-intensity interval training, but also provides education online courses. He coaches a select number of elite triathletes, including Kyle Buckingham, and is the inventor of the Flow Bottle, which enables ice slushy delivery for hot racing conditions. So what are the highlights of this episode? Well, I'm super excited to talk about high-intensity interval training because I think there's a lot that comes from uh, this general world which gets muffled up into a ball and spit to us and not really presented very well or with any sort of scientific rigor. And so with Dr. Larson, we got into aerobic oxidative, anaerobic glycolic or lactate, as well as the neuromuscular and musculoskeletal systems. We talk about how the concept of no pain, no gain is actually quite stupid. And we get into the five hit weapons. The show notes for this one are decodingsuperhuman.com slash hit, that's H-I-I-T, and enjoy my episode with Dr. Paul Larson. All right, so you guys are probably wondering, what are the brands of blue light blockers that I recommend? Well, one of them is the sponsor for today's podcast, and they are Blue Blocks. I've had the CEO, Andy Mant, on the show before where we got into a really deep dive on blue light. And you know that if you get any amount of blue light in your glasses, no matter if it's 3%, 10%, whatever, it does disrupt melatonin production. And so Andy has created blue light blockers that hold up to the highest standards. And in fact, and I'll link to it in the show notes, you can see when he's tested it versus other brands that they always come out on top. And so quality is a thing I appreciate and is what exactly I recommend for all of our clients. But if you head over to blueblocks.com, that's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and plug in the code DS15, you're going to get 15% off. And now on with the show. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Boomer. Thanks for having me on. Uh, this is going to be an absolute pleasure because, you know, high intensity interval training is something that um, I have a decent amount of experience with in the CrossFit realm, at least. But I, I want to dispel a lot of rumors today. And so it's an honor to have you here. Thanks, man. It's, yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll see. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> <laughs> and so. We were introduced through Jason Moore, who's been on the podcast, and it, you know immediately I gravitated towards a lot of the work that you do. But I want to just start at sort of a high level in terms of uh, what exactly is known about high-intensity interval training, or maybe first just defining high-intensity interval training for the audience. That's a great place to start, actually. Uh, 
because like high intensity interval training for itself or hit training, it gets kind of this uh, mixed up uh, messaging and, and definitions around. So look, I do as a little bit of background, I'm a sports scientist professor. So, you know, I'm kind of studying it right at the, the cool face of the science and the scientific uh, definition of, of high intensity interval training is exercise that is performed at a sustained rate, but above your so-called threshold or anaerobic threshold. Now that's an exercise intensity that's perceived as hard or greater. And I guess by def- definition, it is unsustainable if you were to you know pick any of those intensities above threshold. It's unsustainable and you need to take these pauses between it to, um, to, to separate it. So if you're not, um, you know, high intensity training, I guess by definition is 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 a little bit more sustained high intensity work. Yeah. But the 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 hit training itself is is separated by pauses or breaks, and those pauses or breaks uh, allow you to, I guess, perform perform more work. Uh, if if you were to just try to you know maintain that that same uh, intensity indefinitely, you, you get more out of a hit session, more signaling, more um, yeah, more bang for buck, so to speak. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, what do we know about this? Because when you and I were exchanging emails beforehand, uh, I'd love to talk about kind of physiological targets here because mm. there are. Uh, you know, there's a lot that I've seen in the research about high intensity interval training, but since you're in the research and performing research, I would love to hear what do we actually know? Sure, sure. So this is, I, I guess there's oh, lots of ways we can look at this, but yeah. the, and there's many different physiological uh, functions, you know, in almost uh, for argument's sake, an infinite amount. But we try to take things and make them as simple as possible. And we mm. break our physiological targets that you get with HIT into, th- in, into just main three main categories to keep it as simple as we can. So the first of those categories that you aerobic stimulus, all right? You are targeting, although it seems like it might be anaerobic, you, you definitely get an aerobic stimulus uh, you know, with most HIT type of sessions if there is some level of prolongedness or duration to it all right so when we're talking about an aerobic stimulus we mean you know our our heart is uh or our cardiac output the the blood that's pumped by the heart in a given minute say for example it is uh it's near maximal and that is a a great stimulus that you want to get to I guess maintain kind of you know longevity and whatnot throughout your life. Your um, there's a desaturation, the a, a lowering of the oxygen level that's within the the muscles, and this is a, a beautiful signal as well for making more mitochondria in the future. Okay, so the that's the aerobic stimulus. That's the aerobic target. That's just a few of the highlights. Hey, Paul, on the aerobic target, just. For yeah. everybody out there, is twenty minutes the threshold? Because for whatever reason, growing up, we were always told like twenty minutes is the aerobic mm. threshold, or is it? Is there a particular time in general? Yeah, I think that is really out the out the out the window. Like that's an old old school kind yeah, of exactly ballpark sort of thing. Like we want to be we want to be you know we're on the it's a superhuman podcast, right? We yeah. want to be more. <laughs> yeah 20 uh, 20 minutes seems a little ridiculous it, it, it is but it's well here's the cool thing about hit though is that you can 
actually get uh, a lot of bang for buck in that 20 minutes. But, but like the 20 minute aerobic, you know, steady state exercise, even a 20 minute walk is, is pretty average, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not human. We want to, but if you, if you take that, um, a 20 minutes period that you might have and you break that into, you know, um, sprint interval training, say for example, where you're hit, you're going, you know, 20 seconds all out and then pausing for two minutes, say for example, 20 minutes all out, pausing for two minutes. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, you're actually, your aerobic system starts to um, turn on because it's turning on to kind of recover. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and you're actually going to, you know, studies have shown you get more bang for buck in that 20 minutes if it's, if it's uh, done aerobic versus, or sorry, if it's done in the sprint interval training format that I just described versus if it were to be, uh, you know, just steady state, low intensity exercise for that 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and I interrupted you there. You were going to go on to something else after aerobic. Yeah. So that was just the first, um, that was the first target was the aerobic system. Second target we often want to work on. And, and again, I forget, uh, my context, I train, um, you know, a lot of elite athletes and I am in the business, um, based on my background of trying to optimize sport performance for across different sports. Um, and uh, one of the targets again, that, that is, that we hit is the anaerobic or the lactic system, right? You'll know that burning in the legs and whatnot. So that is the second target is your anaerobic lactic system. We can, uh, further develop that system too. So that's the second target that we get when we hit, when we, we do a hit exercise, most of us that have done it are familiar with that. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, and uh, and very important one, is the musculoskeletal and neuromuscular stimulus. Mm-hmm. Now, this would be analogous to the you know the soreness that you feel in days after, uh, or you know almost the weakness or the you know, the you'd feel like legs are kind of shaking, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in these kind of things. So that is an aspect of of uh, of hit as well, and. Where we come at things with HIT science is that we can manipulate our HIT training to have various degrees of any of those three systems. That's the real cool and versatile thing about understanding um, high-intensity interval training when you're in the context of trying to optimize the performance for for an athlete or or any individual for that matter. You knowing the degree of those three that you're hitting for any uh, hit session that you might put in front of you. Mm-hmm. Now I know we're going to get into best practices in a little bit here, but let's say because uh, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong here, high intensity interval training can be beneficial for almost everyone. Uh, looking at different ways to just actually. Uh, look at structuring these workouts. Is there best practices for, let's say, a power lifter versus, uh, let's say, um, weekend Ironman athlete? What would, yeah. if you can give some sample workouts, even that would be good, like short ones. For sure. So a power lifter. I'm not sure, you know, if how much aerobic stimulus that a power lifter would actually need. Um, so I would be having, uh, what I would call type four and type, or sorry, probably type five sessions. So the, almost the sprint interval one that I just described there Mm -hmm. before, like a 20 second all out max. 
and followed by longer kind of recoveries mm-hmm. uh, because that type of session would be targeting both the um, the anaerobic lactic system and the neuromuscular system, right, mm-hmm. in the legs. And then if we take the endurance athlete on the other side of the spectrum, they would be doing intervals that would be uh, you know, more longer intervals and shorter intervals that are d- just down down a tad on the intensity, mm-hmm. right? So they're not all out anymore. These, but they're still at an intensity that's above that threshold. Um, you know, so they're they're hard or greater, but then there there's that that pause. So let's take um, like a short interval. Is a short interval session for a, a triathlete, say for example, is 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 awesome. Um, let's take the imagine the the bike. Uh, imagine you're on the bike mm-hmm. and you are, you know, you're doing like 30 seconds on and 30 seconds off uh, in, in a series of about, do about seven of those, say, for example. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're pacing yourself kind of accordingly in your brain to, to hit all of those sevens in, in the series. And, you know, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off for seven. And then pause. You might pause for, say, you know, uh, two, to, two to four minutes. Uh, and then repeat that again. So that would be a in an experienced Ironman triathlete. That would be a fantastic set for targeting those fast twitch muscle fibers, making them more oxidative, hitting the cardiac outputs. So you, you know you got good aerobic um, and anaerobic stimulus in it. If we move that same thirty on thirty off session down into the run, now you might recognize again putting yourself there and you're running. It's it's a little bit different than the bike, um, Boomer, because I know you're doing um, the the triathlons these days, and mm-hmm. you're, you're you know you're, de- you're experimenting with them. You know how you with the running, you're getting more of that uh, muscle damage that's a kind of occurring. So now you've added that neuromuscular component mm-hmm. into it, and uh, so you need to yeah, program those appropriately with rest. Um, rest uh, on the on the other side of them so mm-hmm. yeah those are i mean i mean those are two kind of examples one's more of the aerobic it's a little bit lighter i guess kind of common sense there and then mm-hmm. your your powerlifter one uh, a little bit more all out to target the anaerobic and the neuromuscular system so in the case of the powerlifter is i guess in the case of both of them is the worked rest ratio sort of the variable we should be focusing on or is it that just you know, too elementary way of looking at it yeah, I know. Like the work to rest ratio is is used. I like to kind of use absolute because I really think in terms of time durations, mm-hmm. maybe work to rest ratio could be a simple model to get your head around. But unfortunately, it's physiology doesn't necessarily work that well. Mm-hmm. So I, I just like if you want to maximize your anaerobic system, like let's just take the power lifter, you want time for the system to kind of become more balanced again and rested mm-hmm. so that you can wham and hit that again. If you're going to have short periods of time uh, between your work bouts, then you're, you're going to stimulate the aerobic system. So um, if you're the power lifter, ideally you want long pauses between your all out efforts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, because that, then you're, you're, you're allowing the, the whole body to kind of, um, you know, full, become fully recovered and then you hit it again. You hit the neuromuscular and the, and the anaerobic glycolytic system again. Mm-hmm. And the, now take the opposite end of the spectrum with the, um, the endurance athlete. Now we want shorter pauses, right? So yeah, you could have the work to rest ratios. I guess it's, it's narrowed in that sort of situation, but I want, you know, I might, 
depending on the on the system but i might want only you know um between 30 seconds and two minutes or, or three minutes kind of recovery between my work bouts mm-hmm. depending on whether i'm doing short intervals or long intervals but in doing those shorter recovery bouts between you, you know you're you're starting to you're you're targeting more the aerobic system mm-hmm. uh, with oxygen right that's going to be more uh, important for the longer um you know tr- endurance efforts so one question before we move on to dispelling some myths just because i have a guy like you on the show i have to ask this are there any of these systems that we can completely neglect and still physically and mentally perform at our best meaning like could you just lift weights the rest of your life and not do any sort of um i guess high intensity interval training for instance yeah. I mean, you sure can, <laughs> but it's like, whether, whether that's off, whether, it, you know, in the context of being superhuman, I don't think that's, that's, uh, and again, no one knows everything, but I, I think you want to try to be, you know, longevity is, is gotta be key. Yeah. And, and um, to me, the, you know, if we're just going to be lifting weights, we're still going to be, we're, you know, we're going to be maximizing our, um, type two fiber engagement, which is what we want to do, right? We don't want to, you know, we're a lot of us in, in today are, we're sitting a lot and we want to engage those type two, uh, the larger fast twitch motor units that are, they're going to sleep on us since we've been kids, right? Mm-hmm. We want to re-engage those so that we don't lose them and we prevent falls and we strengthen our bones and muscles and all those sorts of things. So weightlifting is awesome for that a form of, you know, the sprint interval high intensity exercises is, is great for that too. But to me, we can't forget about the the heart. We can't forget about the cardiac output. And we're not going to be, um, we're not going to be uh, targeting the cardiac output very much. Our heart's going to be forgetting about, um, you know, working hard. And um, so to me, I think you want to balance that weight exercise again in the, in the context of optimizing your human Performance and longevity. I think you want to be hitting, um, you know, some some short intervals or uh, or something in between there. In that sort of, uh, you know, if that if you have that twenty to thirty minute sort of break in between, where you might be able to um, to fit that. Awesome, awesome. Can we transition into a, a little bit of a? I'm hoping it's a myth buster, but one of the common. Okay, just given my background in CrossFit, I think you know where I'm going with this. But one of the common experiences that I had at least or used to have in CrossFit, it appears to be getting better, was you would go to the gym, you'd work out so hard that you're going to throw up in a trash can um, or whatever. Can we? Is that beneficial for people to work so hard that they're in pain for three days later? No, I mean, I think that's just uh, common common sense wins on that argument. I think we have to, but I I, I know that uh, you know, unfortunately, that's uh, the reputation that uh, a lot of CrossFit um, you know gyms have kind of come into. But and I think they are probably getting better and realizing that it can be done a better way. But but yeah, that's not if you're part of one that's that's still promoting that, you might want to uh, shop elsewhere or. Um, <laughs> But yeah, because that that in a, in a, in essence is almost where we began with this, with that 
remember the the neuromuscular musculoskeletal system the soreness that you get the shakiness that you might get from a hit session we've got to balance that and um, if we're hitting that all the time you just you run into injury and and illness mm-hmm. right um, so there's there's a bunch of different um, we, we just can't sustain that type of, uh, of workout for for too long at least uh, you know you can work up to uh, you know look at the crossfit games those are those are the guys that have been able to kind of work up to almost, um, you know, reaching that level. They're so resilient, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't, uh, if you're just off the street and you know yourself that you haven't done that kind of, uh, effort for a long time, you've got to do take a more common sense approach and have, um, you know, don't go to the well every time, you know, pull back on the no pain, no gain, uh, you know, philosophy that's out there. And, um, yeah, so that you can kind of repeat that, that the next day with something else. And that's one of the key things. Like, again, I'm, you know, I was mentioning to you, I, I, I train a lot of, uh, you know, elite Olympic and, uh, professional athletes. And one of the key things that we see, and this is across my experience with New Zealand Olympic program, we did studies where the key aspect was the consistency of the consistency of training. Mm-hmm. So again, you, we, we can even in, in the superhuman context that we're you know, trying to get the most out of our life, we can take that same philosophy and try to think of, well, what can I do now that I'm still going to be able to back up tomorrow kind of thing you yeah. know, with, with the session. So consistency is key. So with that, in terms of consistency, any sort of broad recommendations we can make said in a, but said another way, I would like to just focus on the measurement. Like how would you tell somebody to, uh, approximate frequency and to get consistency and are there devices that you would need to to accomplish that Hmm, yeah well i mean a good old-fashioned heart rate monitor um you know is like a like your standard puller or a garment or whatever name your name your brand that you're that's your favorite are are good little tools to to use to approximate some intensity um, at least on the aerobic context Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're moving more towards the power lifter side, but that anaerobic context, it's it's really sort of more of a, a more a feel based uh, sort of thing for for the most part at the moment. There's no other real tools that I can that I can you know um, you know suggest. Uh, unfortunately, that's just the the, the the where we're at at the moment. But I you know my my thinking is that wearables are going to get to that level in the future where they are going to be able to, um, you know, tell us how much neuromuscular musculoskeletal strain is actually going on inside. Right. Like, so mm-hmm. wearable shirts that might measure EMG, for example, electromyographic, um, uh, electromyography, sorry. And, uh, do you mind just explaining electromyography for people who may not know it? Sure. So basically, just whenever our when our muscles move, there's an I guess ultimately a, an electrical signal that's actually um, being created, and we can actually measure that electrical signal with you know a greater signal indicating a, a higher recruitment of more more muscle fibers and a, mm-hmm. a smaller a smaller signal, meaning you know it might just be very fine motor movement kind of thing. So it's related to the engagement of the muscle fibers remember again one of the key principles we with hit in the context of hit and weight training we want to engage those larger motor units so um yeah that's that's the general general gist of emg mm-hmm. 
Is there any broad prescriptions, if you will, you can make around frequency? If consistency is key, how often should people be doing HIT? Yeah, that's a good question. And it, it always comes back to the context of the in, and the individual. Yeah. Um, so there's no, there's no right or wrong rules. So again, spectrum, I, again, I reflect back on my time in the New Zealand Olympic program. And there were, uh, you know, coaches of, I was at an athletic um, coaching meetings where, uh, you know, there's coaches of some of the world's best uh, middle distance runners and they would have hit, you know, uh, almost a form of hit session every, every day. So, but these guys like, you know, I think it was John Walker's program. He, you know, he was backing it with these incredible, um, you know, high intensity programs, uh, you know, kind of day in day out, but he's, he's built it up over so long. And then, but if we're looking at the, the context of an individual who's, who's just beginning, like that's, they are going to need some, some time to kind of recover. So there's just, you know, you know, sometimes multiple days. And um, so, yeah, there's no, you know, but I guess as a general rule, maybe every, every two to three days, you could have some form of a hit session. That Mm -hmm. would be, that would be pretty, pretty good. And, uh, and but again, remember, we're not talking about a no pain, no gain hit session. Mm-hmm. We're talking about something that is, yeah, something that you, you know, you walk away from and you're like, oh, I feel pretty good after that session. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the, like the, the stress is, you're not going to bed and then having problems sleeping. It's so, it's kind of so stressful. Like it's not one of those ones. It's, you know, almost sort of, yeah, it's just like, it's a, gr- it's a good little stimulus. You feel good and you know, you can you could back it up. So it's so context specific and it so depends on what you mean when you're talking about a hit session. You can, you can have the CrossFit session that you suggested you, you were mentioning, but you could have, you could also have one that you just, you walk away from and you, you could actually repeat that one the next day. So mm-hmm. uh, sorry to, sorry to kind of no, no, say no, that no. it really does depend, but, and, and I guess also from the, from the individual, for, from the optimization standpoint, yeah, the, the higher the frequency almost in most contexts if it is low uh low stress hit the better like you we want to we were meant as humans to to move like mm-hmm. that's part of what we're all you know we were put on this planet and uh you know long, a number of years were were put into developing the 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 genetic blueprint to um uh you know do exercise and, and recover from it. So our, you know, our DNA is, is very well and truly used to, to that. We just have to kind of remind it, but not, not overstressed. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the word stress. And so we have a number of different people listening to this who do experience some aspects of stress in a lot of parts of their life, including work, etc. cetera. Uh, what's the impact of doing too much hit? Yeah, for sure. So the impact of doing too much hit really comes down to the stressing of our, um, you've probably heard of our hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis or HPA, my favorite one. Yeah. So it's a really, it's a great little axis, uh, that is, is useful for our survival, right? It's, it's dictating the, the, the stress response. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, um, in the context we were talking about where it's optimal, it's fantastic. Unfortunately, 
in situations where there is too much stress and stress can come in so many different forms, right? From mental, you know, emotional, uh, social, from, you know, uh, you know, heat, um, you know, you name it. There's just, and, and exercise of course is, is another big one. So if, yeah, if there is too much of these stress points that are, you know, all targeting in on the HPA axis, uh, you are, yeah, you're going to start spilling out too much cortisol. Um, and the system really, it, it really manifests into that thing that we hear of called overtraining syndrome. So mm-hmm. however you want to um, uh, call it, you could have an overtraining or an overworking or an over, you know, stressing syndrome it doesn't really matter whatever context you want and in the again back to the olympic context for me it was all we'd always call it overtraining syndrome where an athlete's getting too much maybe too much hit without enough recovery but for the average daily worker they might be getting too much too much stress in other aspects of of their life and then they're throwing another you know a hit session that's just inappropriate or too frequent into the situation maybe that sprint interval training one um, you know, day in and day out. Um, that's yeah, it's going to cause for some problems and basically a, um, a an HBA axis that's just in that alarm response and it's continuing to spill out the cortisol and um, yeah, it's uh, probably you know we know all of the various different things that it uh, that we see. We see a you know a suppressed HRV. Mm-hmm. We see a um, uh, you know, we see a poor sleep and then it's, you know, you, you're not, uh, I guess the, the system's ultimately trying to put you on your ass ultimately so that, that you'll one day stop and recover. But, uh, mm-hmm. where it's, where it's throwing us on is, you know, I, think, I can't, yeah, is, is, is in bed, I guess it's trying to, it's trying to do that. Mm-hmm. So monitoring things like HRV, since we did get introduced through Jason Moore are incredibly valuable when it comes to a day-to-day training regimen? Oh, fully. Absolutely. So all my athletes are, are on HRV. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we use the elite HRV system. There's another good one we use, uh, called the HRV for training. Mm -hmm. It actually measures, measures your, uh, HRV on your, on on your, uh, on your phone, just using the camera lens. So, yeah, those it's it's uh it's kind of bread and butter butter for us mm-hmm. on the on the HRV uh, absolutely. So it's and and the cool thing about it, as Jason would have told you, is you can just measure it. You can almost standardize the measurement as soon as you wake up in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. For um, you know one to two minutes, very simple, and uh, and yeah, you're getting an an overall indicator of of what know what impact the overall stress of of yesterday had on your uh, and and your ability to recover through the night had on 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 where you're sort of sitting and your readiness ultimately to perform on that day and we can um you know it's what we've sort of found is that it's not we don't like to make knee-jerk reactions um, on one low reading per se in a lot of our athletes. But if we're seeing a trend where there's multiple days where HRV is down, well, it's a, it's a really good indicator for us to say we, something's wrong here and we need to, we need to recover more. We need to do, put more recovery sort of, uh, interventions in place to, um, yeah, 
get you recovered at the other side. This is interesting because uh, as a person who looks at their HRV every morning and kind of utilizes it in a way to kind of pick my max lift days, uh, one day, uh, basically I'm looking for guidance, is one day uh, mismeasurement, if you will, worth putting a lot of weight on or it sounds like it should i should be looking at a broader trend you got it you you answered the question there uh it's uh, again we don't do knee-jerk reaction on a single low measurement we okay. uh, and this is why again the the analytics that uh, jason in 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 his app and marco in in his uh HRV training app they have in there. They're, we're looking for sort of trends in the marker over, mm-hmm. a, over a number of different days, right? Like a, a four-day running average or, mm-hmm. um, or even a, we can do a seven-day running average. But they have those sort of built in so that you can kind of see um, yeah, w- how you're sort of looking on an on a, on a overall sort of basis. And you can even look at the analysis as well yourself and actually have a look at the trends. Are you trending upwards, which we see in more of the aerobics phase, which is telling us that we're adapting, mm-hmm. or in the overtraining sort of uh, system um, situation, we might see, at least acutely, we might see a trend of a number of readings that are falling downward towards the sympathetic sort of side, fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. Can we transition a little bit into uh, practical applications and sort of tips for people? Uh, specifically, sure. do you mind explaining the five hit weapons? Yeah, for sure. So the um, we've spoken about the types, and now I guess in the hit science philosophy, and again, this uh, the context for that is the the optimization of the performance for most for a lot of athletes. We've kind of broken down hit into um, five key weapons that you can use to hit those targets. Mm-hmm. And the first is, would be called like a long interval. This would be called, this would be uh, analogous to a VO2 set. So the, your Ironman or your uh, cyclist uh, um, guys that are out there that are listening to this, they'd know what a VO2 set is. Mm-hmm. You know a VO2 set be, um, that's long. So these are like two to four, two to five outs with uh, two to three minutes of, of recovery between, say, mm-hmm. for example. And um, you, you finish one of these hit sessions and you really, they're really apparent because the breathing level is really high, right? That's, mm-hmm. you know, so they're, uh, yeah, you're, you're breathing really heavy. That's the long interval. Short interval is that one that we spoke about with a 30 on, 30 off, mm-hmm. say, for example. And these can get down as short as 10 on, 10 off. These, it's the most versatile of all of our different weapons, okay? Uh, because we can hit, uh, all, all these various different targets. Extremely useful in the team sport context because it can, we can have it just hitting these aerobic stimuluses and not hitting the anaerobic and the neuromuscular system. Mm-hmm. Um, third one is, uh, third weapon is is our, our repeated sprint training. Now these are, now we're kind of moving into the all out forms of hit. Mm-hmm. So this would be like, um, you know, four seconds to 15 seconds all out with uh you know similar kind of recovery levels or maybe up to you know 30 seconds to a minute of recovery between and then the sprint interval training or these are the ones the the uh, i guess the tabata type 20 seconds 20 to 30 seconds all out these are the ones that have uh we we spoke about too and um yeah again can be used in that 20 minute context to get 
you know, get as much as you can out of, uh, out of a session. And then the, the final weapon is the, the one that's used in team sports. It's called game-based high-intensity interval training. It has a game-based kind of element to it and mm-hmm. um, like a, a small-sided games. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm coaching a number of uh, – I'm coaching my daughter's soccer team right now, and I'd use a small-sided game uh, because it's, it's a – you know, I, I can actually get a – a, a hit stimulus, but at the same time, it's fun and and it takes the um, I don't know any burden out of actually you know you might some people have uh, you know they they have a negative connotation when they think about exercise, but if they're playing with a, a sport implement in it like a ball, uh, then it's it's kind of fun. So those are the five key key weapons that we have and that we speak about within hit science. Beautiful, and within uh, I guess. Within kind of working this into a busy executive's life, one of the beautiful things about HIT is you can do it in a relatively uh, short time constraint. Do you have any guidance for people listening in terms of if they wake up in a particular day or some sort of evaluation points that they should make in order to determine whether or not they should go with a HIT training um, session for the day? Like for yeah. instance, if sleep is off or if something is off or things that they should look to, to say, I should go out and train today. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. And you know, I think I, I'm a human like yourself. So it's, uh, I, 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 this is what I do basically. So if I've got a hit session that's kind of planned and I, I have a poor sleep, I'm stressed and, uh, it, things just aren't lining up where I, feel like I want to do that hit session. And so I, I'll switch that to an aerobic stimulus, um, you know, and you almost kind of know that yourself if you might feel really sort of sleepy a little bit and uh, where you, and you, you don't really feel like you can kind of dig deep into those big motor units, you know, imagine the power lift uh, type, type scenario. So in that sort of situation, I would just be doing an, um, I switch it to an aerobic session, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in a fortunate situation where I might have a little bit more time to, to do that, but that is what I do. So, you know, I, again, in the busy executive uh, context, you might just want to start with like an aerobic warm up, and mm-hmm. after you've reached uh, your level of warm up, moving your muscles, uh, give one or two small efforts or short efforts a try. You know, even 15, 20 seconds, just like, and and not not to the well, but maybe you know, um, just a, above that threshold. Mm-hmm. How does that feel? Are you still feeling tired? Well, then kill it or, or just continue it aerobic. Uh, but sometimes you actually you, you warm up and you're into it and you and you can get through that workout. So those would be my general general recommendations. Beautiful, uh, Paul. This has been extremely informative. Uh, now I want to transfer into or transition into a little bit of our final four questions, which I get to ask everybody, and. This is going to be exciting. So let's get started with just sort of what is one area where you think people should pay more attention to uh, or where people aren't paying enough attention to when it comes to performance? Yeah, there's, <laughs> I think probably the big one, it's making the rounds right now. Um, Matt Walker. Yeah. Uh, it, 
wrote the wrote the book you know why we sleep and it's it's it has to be to me it's 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 sleep i think i i listened to a great podcast you did the other day on, on with on on sleep as well and i i think it's 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 really kind of coming to light that we've we missed the boat on that one and we really tr- need to work towards optimizing sleep it's uh, as matt walker says it's like the swiss army knife of uh, of all your different tools and interventions it just figures out everything for you if you can get it right so it's one of the for for me personally it's the one that i'm working on um and uh but yeah just to try to maximize your 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 sleep uh and and you know try to get that that eight hours if you can of quality sleep it's not easy i think a lot of us are you know in that sort of situation where we're you know we're glued to our everything has our attention in terms of our devices and our, uh, you know, life and whatnot around us. Mm-hmm. But sleep tries to, you know, sleep can really cure a lot of those things. And um, that's, that would be the big one for me. And of course there's, there's all the other ones that are, that are following that oh, one too, right? Absolutely. There, there's <laughs> plenty of others. Uh, what's your top trick for enhancing focus? Uh, it would be meditation for sure. So that's uh, the best thing I ever did was find uh, Sam Harris and his course mm-hmm. on uh, waking up course. And that's just been amazing for helping my focus. We have a, a guy coming on the podcast very soon who got me sold on Sam Harris as well. Um, mm-hmm. Just because of his hyper rational explanations for everything. I, I quite enjoy him. Um, yeah. Did you start with then, so Sam Harris is Vipassana. Did you start predominantly with Vipassana or have you experimented with other forms of meditation as well? I would say, I mean, I'm not really aware of all the different types. I, I don't, uh, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't have all of the the lingos, but whatever, whatever Sam's doing is really helping me so I, I think i started what was the other um there was another app that i used um headspace i used that one for a bit and then but but yeah for for, for me personally uh sam harris just really really um beat that one uh hands down likewise likewise what's your uh, what book has significantly impacted your life and your or how you show up to perform in it Yes, I will. I'll give you three very briefly, and in, in, in the in the order that I read them, I, you know, um, I guess what, as a younger younger gentleman with a chip on his shoulder uh, and needing to get things sort of figured out, it was Anthony Robbins' "Awaken the Giant Within," and it just really, um, I guess, taught me to how to. Um, become a little bit more confident and, and, uh, and to gain some focus. And then Tim Ferriss's four hour work week was, was also instrumental in, in giving me a few tricks and how I could, uh, uh, cheat the system ultimately to, to, uh, get ahead in life. And what were, um, what were some of your key takeaways from that? I always, when people bring that book up, I have to, because I remember reading that book, at a particular yeah. time in my life. And I'm always curious what you took out of it. Well, it was, it was, I guess some of the key ones was just how you, um, you can, you don't have to almost go the status quo kind of thing in terms of, um, you know, it does, you know, you can find a way to do things a lot quicker just because a degree, say, for example, has to be done in four years or because a university says that. 
it's not actually necessarily the case. So you can find a way around, um, you know, uh, doing, you know, extra courses around it or, um, you know, figuring out a way to, um, you know, take the final exam to get credit for the courses. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, I guess it's just taking that extra step to just because something uh, said, you know, because life puts in front of you that it, it has to be a certain way. Um, question whether it, it really does or not. And I think I just use that, that general principle. There's so many that are in there, but that, that would be one of the one I think, uh, yeah, it's just learn the system so that you can find a way to cheat it. Yeah. <laughs> is ultimately what I, what I took from that one for right or wrong. It sounds bad, but it is, it's, it's, uh, it's a good principle. I think may, may title the episode that, but, um, <laughs> You were going to mention yeah. one more book, and I well, cut you the, off. yes, and again, we've kind of covered it. But Sam Harris is waking up as well. Mm-hmm. The, the the book book and course are just yeah, fantastic for me. Again, in in terms of focusing and understanding the things that matter, and um, yeah, and just giving you the yeah the mental uh, f- yeah focus to keep on task. Excellent. Paul, this has been an absolute pleasure. Where can people learn more about you? Yeah, so I'm, I do have a Twitter account. It's uh, Paul B. Larson. And our Hit Science account is very active as well. So that's at Hit Science, uh, two eyes in Hit, uh, science, one word. And yeah, so we're hitscience.com. And uh, I'm also a, uh, a coach of endurance athletes on, at uh, pluesandprof.com. My, my mate, uh, Dan Plues, and I run a, uh, a coaching business for endurance athletes at uh, Plues and Prof. So all of those sort of places you can reach me and would love to hear from you. Excellent. Paul, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the show. My pleasure, Boomer. Thanks for having me. Superhumans, a couple of things before you leave. If you're enjoying these episodes, if you're enjoying the guests that you're hearing, can you head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating? It really helps us get the word out about what we're doing here at Decoding Superhuman. Second, feedback. If you have direct feedback for us, whether you like or didn't like something, feel free to send it to podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com. For those of you who have taken advantage of that, you know that I respond to each and every one of those mails. Then finally, would you like 300 to 500 words of highly curated information on how to upgrade performance? If so, head on over to decodingsuperhuman.com slash throwdown and you'll get our next issue of the throwdown, which is our 300 to 500 word highly curated digest, if you will on what's going on in the field of performance. Enjoy your day, superhumans, and thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's episode.